Welcome back, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited today. We have Cindy, but now Cynthia Ludlam, who has <laughs> always been Cynthia, but then was Cindy for a while and is now is now Cynthia again. Uh, so I'm going to let her explain that, but I'm also going to let her introduce herself. Uh, so off you go, Cynthia. If you can start by introducing yourself, tell us who you are and what you're about. Thank you. Yeah, I went by Cindy for so many years. And, you know, after I turned 50, I said, Cynthia just sounds sounds a, a more of, a, of an adult name. So now I'm Cynthia. <laughs> but Nick, you can still call me Cindy. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so who am I? Um, what do I do? Let's start there. I uh, have a nonprofit that I co-founded with my daughter, Lydia, called Bridging Mind and Body. And we offer trauma-informed yoga teacher training and wellness programming. And we actually just launched our very first teacher training I uh, just finished it, so that's pretty exciting. Um, I'm an adjunct professor of both peace studies and yoga and meditation and visual art. So I have interest in both areas, in the creative area as well as the kind of wellness and um, social justice peace studies areas. So, so I'll just stop there. That's amazing. So yeah, so I, I'm so glad you said it like that because then it also gives me an indication of of where you see yourself because I've read on your website obviously and read about your profile and I'm going to put all the links where I can to Cindy's uh, Cin- sorry Cynthia's <laughs> I'm going to make the mistake a lot to Cynthia's okay. uh, to Cynthia's uh, online presence but she is a very talented artist, extremely talented artist, also an extremely talented mother I might add. So I met her through her daughter Lydia. Uh, from when we were in Hong Kong and her daughter Lydia is a wonderful very smart uh, young woman um, who is working out in, in Hong Kong at the moment with uh, with one of the people in my previous company who I respected a lot and uh, Cynthia came out to Hong Kong to uh, to see her little girl but also to uh, she fortunately came and graced us with her presence in the office and, and gave us a talk and I was super inspired and I love the fact that you are a very successful lady in a, an artistic field as well and, and in yoga, which is both of which are kind of, I guess, not traditionally seen as, you know, hungry, competitive uh, environments. But I'm hoping to get to talk to you about that because I think it's very interesting to me to find out more about how that is actually competitive and how you find yourself in, you know, within that world, uh, and, and succeeding because also you are a chair of an entrepreneurship, uh, board and you've done so much good work with helping uh, other people to, to build businesses and things. So let, let's start sort of back a bit. So where, where, where did you sort of come into your art world and how did you get to where you are now? Like, where did it all begin mm. for you and, and, uh, like, and, and yoga and, and, and where you are now? That's a big question. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's the problem with um, this podcast. <laughs> also, I just want to share for everyone listening that, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this, maybe I did Nick before we came on, but everyone should know that Nick, you're on my top 10 list of favorite positive people. Just oh, so you know. wow. Yeah, I don't no. know if I told you that, but I really Come feel on. I, as I get older, it's so important for me, I think, to work with, and this kind of feeds into the, the what we're talking about today a little bit, of surround myself with, you know, people who are positive, who are doing the work, who are grounded in reality, and who are vibing positive and trying really hard to to keep that uh, 
that positive vibe going. So thank you, Nick, for inviting me today and for being oh, you. Molly, that's an enormous <laughs> compliment because I know you know some positive people, man. So thank you so much. But don't don't try and derail this by giving no. me a compliment. <laughs> this is about you. So uh, I'm going to push it back to you again and ask again. Like I'd like, I mean, yeah. I think knowing more about sort of contextually where you came from and how you got into yeah. where you where you are now, because um, you know, I know it, it can't have been an easy easy journey, especially no. succeeding as you have. It can't have been easy. Well, let me. I'm going to start at the beginning, and you can give me a timeout if I'm talking too long. I'm going to try to <laughs> okay. condense this. You know, a lot of the work that I do in my nonprofit or in art and what I see has a trauma-informed lens. So most of us in life have experienced uh, low or medium or high-level trauma in our lives, and I think I'm no different. Um, and my, I was born into, uh, I was born, actually born on an army base in Augusta, Georgia in the U.S., and my dad was uh, active military at the time. And then shortly after I was born, he got sent to Vietnam and was uh, working as a medic in Vietnam. And my mom and I moved back to Brooklyn. Uh, I, I come from an Italian immigrant family, lived in Brooklyn, lived with them while my mom was finishing school. Right after I was born, <clears throat> I was premature. My feet were turned in. They broke my feet uh, and reset them. And I had casts on for a while. And I mention this because I think it created some type of fire in me that, you know, right from the, you know, you're born into this in a traumatic way, having your feet broken and moving and a father being gone. I think it really set me up for, can I curse on your show, Nick? Is of that course. Enough? It's not really it a show. I don't know what it is yet, but it's not really a show. So of course you can the, curse. World, the world of Nick, it set me up for like a shit storm, right? Of like, uh, this is your start in life. Right. This is your start in life. My mother, who was tremendously awesome, um, suffered from severe mental illness and tried to take her life five times. My dad came back from Vietnam. We moved around a lot and um, he left the military. Um, I found my way through theater as a young teen. I started acting and then I went to um, Louisville, Kentucky and studied at a children's professional professional theater. I met a lot of visual artists at the time in Louisville, the music scene, the theater people. Everyone was kind of hanging out together. It was a pretty small scene, I would say. And um, I was all set to go to school to study theater, and then I was in a car accident. I left the car accident. Um, when I got out of the car accident and got home after being in the hospital for a week, I started painting. I had never really made art. I was painting on T-shirts. I was taking my bed sheets off, my, my roommate's bed sheets, and I started painting on them. And I happened to be living in a building where a photographer was living in the building. Uh, and he, my door was open, and he walked in, and he said, this is amazing. Like, why are you not in art school? Long story short, he helped me get into art school, and I ended up at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, undergrad, studying painting and drawing. So uh, while I was there, again, I don't, I don't know how it happened, but while I was there, uh, I got asked to teach at, at, a, at a school um, in the summer program to create a program um, for K through, uh, I think, eighth graders and to train teenagers to help with a low-income um, neighborhood uh, kind of um, community center, basically, and to teach art. I had no experience. 
And I said, sure, I'll teach it. And what I quickly realized is I had no experience. I said yes, and I needed to learn a lot in order to be helpful. And my kind of teaching career and my artwork and the way I teach art all started there at that moment of trying to be of service and really trying to learn more. So learning and being of service kind of were intertwined. And then um, had Lydia, had Griffin, my son, and then went to grad school at Boston University and uh, studied sculpture. And then um, got into working in education, um, became a dean of faculty, and also started studying yoga and started teaching, merging art and yoga just very naturally and started seeing in my students and people I was working with, um, leadership clients also started, I started happening that people were asking me questions about merging yoga and meditation um, and artwork. And I started working with people and I slowly realized like there's something that's happening that's working well for people in outcomes I'm seeing in my students' work that their artwork, um, their happiness factor and their artwork, happiness factor went up. The artwork seems process and product seems better. I hate to use the word better. You're hearing me hesitate because I don't want to say, oh, it was better. There, it was just, because it's hard, right? It's hard to say those things, but it was. And with um, clients I was working with when I started introducing these, kind of different uh, ways of working with people, people were happier, just happier, Nick. And I started getting more serious about what I was doing and how I was doing it. And then this summer, I just started a PhD program in expressive art, which is an intermodal modality where, you know, intermodal, where we work with uh, all the arts. And it's really all about, you know, the play, play and, and making and observing the process. So just kind of adding that also to my kind of toolkit here. Um, and I think, I think I answered your question and I tried to be succinct, but I'm not that sure. Was amazing. <laughs> well, there's one thing, one thing, I've got a couple of questions, but one thing you have to explain to me because I'm not in this world. What is an intermodal modality? I don't know. What yeah. That means. And I think it's just intermodal modality is a little redundant, right? So uh, but what, it, what like, do you mean by that? What do you so mean by that? So expressive art? What, what is expressive what is art like? thinks about, you know, and when you work in expressive arts as an expressive art psychotherapist or in the expressive art, um, even in uh, gather people gathering either, you know, to, to make art is you're looking at all of the art. So music. You know, thinking about mm -hmm. the body and dance could be yoga, um, visual art, and really working with people okay. in in that way. Yeah, and it's not like I'm an expert. I'm not like a dancer and an actor. I'm mo I'm more I would say in that it, I'm more familiar with the visual art, but I have a familiarity with those other arts. So they're all used to just work to work with people or groups. So, for instance, in the trauma informed yoga teacher training, we have with Bridging Mind and Body, we are including the expressive arts as one of our tools in the toolkit for our teachers to use uh, with the participants that we work with. Right. Yeah. I, I, that does make sense. And you say you're not an expert, which is interesting because what is, <laughs> what is an expert? And I guess that's, that's also links to the other question I had, which you said, I, I hate to say, seem better. And I guess yeah. that's also where, where I get into like, I... I am framing 
this podcast is about win building, right? And constructing wins yeah. and constructing achievements. And, and I'm just fascinated by that whole topic, especially for business. Cause I think there's a lot of things in business that I've seen where you could learn from other fields. Obviously, as you know, I'm like your daughter. I'm very into sport and, and I, uh, I, you know, I find it very easy to relate a lot of sport analogies. But then when I started looking into it, I was finding all these other ways in which people are constructing wins or achievements through other avenues. And it's very similar set of processes that, that need to happen. And so when you say, and, and this is something that fascinates me because I, I interviewed a guy. I don't know if you saw it, but the last guy I interviewed, a friend of mine, David, he is, um, uh, a musician. He's a, he's a rock star, essentially. I call him a rock star, but he, uh, he's humble as hell. So he wouldn't call himself a rock star, but, but music and, and that art form. And we kind of discussed, you know, how competitive the music industry is and how when you get into that world of like getting a contract and getting signed and how yeah. cutthroat it all is and who you need to please and things. But then, now I can talk to you as more of a pure, like in the art world itself, like you said it yourself, you know, I hate to say seem better. You said process and product seem better, but that is, I want to throw that back to you. Why is it difficult? And how do you, how do you then, uh, you know, when you're teaching and when you're guiding people, how do you find ways mm. to make them set realistic goals towards how to be better if it's difficult to tell whether it's better how do you make the goals to say whether it's better sorry i spoke well, I, for think, right. I shouldn't do that <laughs> no it's awesome i mean you're talking about to me there's you know we talk about judgment right discernment yeah. and judgment um and then there's the the intrapersonal right how are we gauging our way in the world in terms of um how am I doing, right? How am I doing with my goals and outcomes that I've set for myself? And why did, the heck did I set them in the first place? Which we go through our whole lives and we reevaluate if we're, if we're thinking about it, right? If we have that framework, if we're fortunate mm -hmm. enough to have someone help us with that, right? And I feel like I have the privilege of understanding that. And I'm grateful that I do. So every few years, Either the external forces happen to me where I'm forced to think about them or I do the work myself. So that interpersonal, what are my personal ways of uh, how I want to win, how I want to navigate, like to use your word, and where's judgment and discernment fit into that? And I think obviously there's external factors that are not interpersonal. So uh, let's say uh, students want to, younger students, high school students want to complete an art portfolio to get into art school. Mm -hmm. There are certain things that we know art, certain art schools are looking at. So you have the list of the art schools, the goals and the outcomes. I want to get into these 10 schools. We know what you have to do to get into that, and you're being judged by external forces. So then there's the internal, well, what's going to happen to me, and how am I going to react, you know, with these uh, schools if I don't get in or I get in? And where is my worth and value yeah. in all of this? And competition is a tough thing because we're so motivated. Some people need people to yell at them, right? And they're like, just scream at me and tell me I suck and I'm going to do well. And other people just cringe on that, right? So it's really knowing yourself and knowing, um, knowing where that, where you are with that. And so when I think about better, I've had students, you know, I always try to be at a neutral, non-judgmental space, but also see what it is that they could work on to achieve the goals and outcomes of the assignment, right? Uh, yeah. 
or their goals and outcomes of their personal growth. So I have a student right now who's really interested in figure drawing and um, wants to do more. So her personal win, right, is to get better at figure drawing. So we laid out a course. So I'm super strategic, Nick. I may not be a typical yoga meditation person. I'm very strategic. So you want to get better at figure drawing, there's practice involved. And here, and I can say to her, here is what I'm seeing would be helpful for you. And she may or may not be a great figure drawer, as as we would call on these standards of figure drawing. But honestly, the depth and breadth of what great is in figure drawing is so huge. So for her, she wants to get better at drawing people, figures, human figures realistically, right? So we've laid out a course for her to, to technically to feel better about that and get more confident and uh, work with the figure. So I th- did I answer that, Nick? Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. I, I mean, it's not just me asking questions and you having to answer, but I, I think it's it, it's very interesting to sort of what you're saying is you to so realistically set out a plan for how. Sorry, you said she wants to draw them realistically, which is yeah. the reason I sorry I'm writing notes down here. So I wrote realistically. I'm like, wait. So she wants to draw realistically, but that's you're defining what her her goals are by by exactly. knowing. It wants to be realistic. So you've, you probably, I'm guessing, asked her, what does that mean to you? What does getting better mean yeah. to you? And let's define that. What are some examples of, you know, how this might look or how mm. you think it might look? Right. And I think that's really, really interesting and important because going back to your point about sort of worth and value, like, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you're putting that on the line and I, I was actually asking, so I had an, I had a few ideas around what I wanted to talk to you about, but I was asking my wife today and I said, you know, if you were asking a, a sculptor, you know, what uh, questions about their life, what would you ask? And, and she said, and I, I have to credit her with this because I think it's a great point. She said, how do you overcome the sort of the fact that when you're an artist and you're putting things out there, you're so vulnerable because mm. you're putting out something that you care deeply about have put in a lot of work to have have you know labored over have, have decided this is what i want to present the world with yeah and then you're opening by just putting it out there, you're opening yourself up to that world of judgment and i think that is a really interesting challenge especially related to art because it's so subjective and it's so you know each person's eyes looking at it deciding how they feel about it right I mean, how do you, how have you, have, is that real? Is that a, is a real challenge? And how have you sort of found that along the way as you developed as an artist and a, and a teacher? Yeah, I think it's changed over time. And just going back to kind of the original question you were asking about kind of what is my entry point in all of this work, you know, in that trauma-informed lens, you know, art is very, has been a healing tool for me. Mm-hmm. Acting and the visual art, yoga as an art form, all of it has been healing for me. And maybe we don't want to use the word healing. It's been empowering. Healing, I know, can be a triggering word because we're, we're always becoming, we're always healing, we're always doing the work. And as soon as I think something's resolved, something else comes up. It's not dramatic. It's just, oh, I noticed this is an area I could work on. And usually a person's reflected that or I have. Um, I think the more you apply to things, the more you realize that there's a lot of awesome people applying for things and a lot of entries. So like, you know, um, 300 people could be applying for a show where they're going to put 12 pieces in. It's 
there's so many factors that go into it because I've been on the other side of looking at work, reviewing portfolios, or selecting work, and it's it's never personal. Mm. And so once you have see both sides of that, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt that your feelings aren't hurt or you're not bruised, but there's a lot of people in the world doing amazing work, and I don't see it as competition. That doesn't mean that I don't have those very human moments if I'm rejected from something, right? Mm. If you get a rejection that says, you know, we've gone with another candidate, if I was applying for something or your work was not selected, it's an ouch, right? So it's I think part of this is feeling the ouch, whether it's crying, you know, stomping, punching a punching bag, doing a yoga set, running, meditating, not as a way to not have your feelings be felt, but actually to give space for them to be acknowledged. Like that sucks, that hurts, ouch. And then maybe talking with someone or working with someone and to keep identifying, you know, what it is that you need to do differently possibly. And maybe it's nothing. It's just, again, it's competitive. These are competitive fields and people are looking for specific things. Mm. But it's really not personal. If you keep getting rejected from something and you're trying, there may be something you need to change. Now, that's the hardest part. You know, most people, and you know this from your work, you don't change unless you want to change and ask for help. So me telling someone, you know, you've got rejected from 50 things, I've noticed, you know, blah, 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 every time you're doing an interview, I can't say that if I'm not invited into the space. It's yeah, none of my business. So someone has to say, I've noticed this about myself. Are you, can I run my pitch by you? Or can I do a fake, you know, a fake interview, a mock interview? Yeah. Or can you look at my artwork? And it could just be that that's not a match. So competition is a tricky thing because I think um, – you want to help everybody along, but you also want your work to be seen, right? So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I know you want that. You want the exposure, but at the same time, you know it hurts. It hurts each time you're not getting exposed. But I, I think that's what's sort of very interesting for me because what you've just said, without maybe because you work in that world, where maybe you didn't even realize you you do it, but you're you're automatically framing things in strategical ways. You said, I mean, I. Mm-hmm. I know you're strategical, actually, Cynthia, because <laughs> that's one of the reasons I'm fascinated by you, because you, you know, you're this sort of on paper, you're an art teacher, you're a yoga instructor. You know, if I said that to anyone, like they're, they're, I'm sure they'd conjure up pictures of a bohemian sort of, you know, sitting there, just whatever, you know, and not this this person who's like hungry for life you know really mm-hmm. like uh, like just out there and the, the, the first image in their head would be this sort of stereotypical artist picture which I, you know i know is not true as well but it's it's that i'm sure that's what the <laughs> stereotype would 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 fit but the stri- strategic wise you know knowing how to get your art in the right format in the right way in yeah. front of the right people presenting it not taking it personally um, embracing that, embracing that we, I call it embracing the fail, like embrace those moments where you get rejected and learn yeah. from them. Make sure you understand and pick yourself up. And I, I keep referencing this Rocky thing here. So, uh, 
<laughs> I brought these 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 plates behind me, but there's one about it's not how hard you can hit, it's how hard you can get hit and get up and yeah. keep going. You know, I love that. I like. I mean, it's a, a cheesy moment in the film, but it's a great uh, sentiment because it's true. You have to pick yourself up, and if you want to succeed in your dream, if you want to achieve mm-hmm. your dream, you have to be prepared to fight for it, and you have to be yeah. prepared to put in the hard hard uh, work to accept that it might not work it might not work you know um and i think that's uh, yeah i think your point there about sort of understanding it's not personal and understanding that there's especially in the art form is 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 very very important i wanted to also ask you about sort of uh you 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 um you mentioned when when i sort of took you through (laughs) the things we might talk about individual brilliance versus team excellence you said you had an opinion on that like how that works in terms of especially with art and but i guess in yoga as well you've probably experienced that like how does that in your mind work and how can you work as a team in in art world yeah i mean and i think it's universal like i think the the way i frame it is even extends beyond those into, into business everywhere i think i think there is a way for individuals to foster um, getting this, a container, right together and keeping yourself in a high kind of uh, awareness space so you're aware of the areas of strength that you have, what you need to work on. You're aware of your gifts. You're aware of how you share those gifts. I mean, the list goes on and on about brilliance. Like, how are we brilliant? How does that feed into team excellence? Well, the more you are aware of your own shit, your own house, right? The more you're aware of how you move through the world and how you empower yourself and others and how you interact, the better you will be on a team and what motivates you, right? Teams are so different, right? Team, you think about team excellence. Um, if you have a person on your team who's experiencing um, some, you know, interpersonal or intrapersonal conflict, the whole team is going, as you know, from, you know, from your life experience and mine, it affects the whole team. And so that individual brilliance piece of someone's running the team, really the, the emotional intelligence factor has to be pretty high and the awareness factor has to be pretty high mm. to navigate that team space. Teams that work well are just tremendous gifts to the world and products, processes, ways of living, ways of being, ways of designing uh, is so innovative and amazing for everyone. And teams that don't work well, I won't name names, right? But we, we know teams that don't work well. And it's, again, that's judgment and subjective right there. But there's usually a problem with someone, right? Someone's going through. So where do we have the grace? With our teams, where do we have, you know, sometimes we have to make tough calls, right? It's a mental wellness piece is really struggling. Sometimes that person may need to step away from the team. I think we're very quick to get rid of team members. Uh, and sometimes not quick enough, right? Who may be really struggling. But I think the brilliance comes in with continuing to create awareness around what it is that you need to work on to be more of who you are so you could help others to be who they are in the team, in and outside the team, you know, and family life comes into that. Everything comes into it. 
you know, you don't have yeah. to dive deep into the personal all the time, but really being a good listener and being aware, I think is part of this whole piece too. So, yeah, the, the, the awareness, the self-awareness you, you, mm-hmm. you've referred to that a few times. And I think I'm sort of, I feel like I'm, I'm learning. I'm on a journey, obviously myself, and I haven't had the sort of, um, the deep yoga meditation side of things yet. Uh, but I, I actually, you know, I, every, a lot of the people I've talked to so far talk about meditation, like, you know, and and even people who you really wouldn't think talk about it as sort of breaking into this whole thing about how meditation changed their life and things. So I am definitely, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, (laughs) I'm not, not there because, uh, because of, um, will, I guess it's, you know, just at the moment, little, little people in my life, to tend to make time a little challenging <laughs> to find meditation time. But the self-awareness that you've referred to and, and the self-introspection, I think that is something I've learned as I get older and I, I constantly reference it, but I really do feel like every time I learn something new about myself or how I react to something and, or, you know, and I'm actually open to that experience, mm-hmm. I become a better person because of it but i also learn how much i didn't know before you know and i see even more ahead of me how much how little i know and it's kind of scary in some ways but it's also very cool because you know you realize how much you've got uh, open to be able to learn but i think the just dropping back into that team point and having individuals and mental health and and, and awareness of, of of mental health situations i actually i i can speak to that very strongly because I had a really big challenge in my life um, nine years ago and I don't want to talk too much about it on the podcast because it's very very personal it's very uh, without context it might not make sense but the there was a team I was playing for I played for the Swiss national team in touch rugby and they essentially got me through a very dark time because they helped me understand myself and they and they didn't even know they were doing it and that's I think one of the things you know where I was very lucky to be in a team which actually had the positive effect that you're kind of referring to. You know, sometimes you sort of said that we get rid of people too quickly or whatever, we are too quick to judge. But actually that team, you know, they they embraced me as an individual and, and in the end they kind of, I suppose, saved me in some ways. And I really came, I bounced out of that, you know, much fitter, much stronger mentally as well as uh, physically, and and uh, fortunately, it was a it coincided with the time I met my my now wife just about at the end of it all, you know. So uh, so it's all been very positive in that sense. But I think just going back to it, like when you're talking about trauma informed, it didn't really strike me until you said it like the fourth yeah. or fifth time <laughs> how impactful that probably is in 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 defining people's paths. And obviously you talked about your own path and your own childhood being uh, very trauma informed, but how do you, what, what qualities then and what skills or traits do you see coming out of that, that uh, of, of being trauma informed? What are the things that you think people show as traits from that? Mm. You mean in things that show up maybe in teams? when people I'm thinking now as individuals people who so when you talk about trauma informed I mean I I know you're you're, you're talking about centering yourself and understanding yourself and 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 looking you know understanding the impacts I my guess is that though the people who are getting better at that 
of, of being more tra- more informed around their own trauma and around their mm. own pathway gain skills and talents for, or not, ah, for talent, okay. I'm not sure what the right word is, but gain awareness, which benefits them. And I'm wondering if you have any kind of insights into that, any things you, you sort of notice about people who, who uh, gain from that. Yeah. I mean, I think so the trauma informed approach, right? When you take as a facilitator, a trauma informed approach, it's just approaching through that lens of, you know, this group that I'm working with or how I'm, how I'm working, right, acknowledges low, mid or high level trauma, right? So it creates a different space, a different frame to work with people. And I think when people become aware that trauma has an impact, trauma to our physical body, trauma to our mental body, trauma impacts how we move through the world, right? So, um, the relationship that we had, that we have formed with others, and the habits we have can change dramatically when we start to recognize the source of our trauma, or we have an awareness around, wait, this has really shaped how I interact with my colleagues. And whenever Nick comes over to my desk and asks for to borrow something, um, I scream at him. Why am I doing that? Right? Like, I would never scream at you. Yet, you know? And, the, you know, and again, this is an extreme example, right? And so when you can look at like, oh, well, create awareness around why I'm doing that, then you can go back to that space to start to create, you know, whether it's a some mind-body practice to shift the pattern of screaming at every colleague that tries to borrow something. So I think these tools, we're so busy, and you commented on this, we're so busy, and since COVID-19, we're on these devices, we're so busy, right? We have little time for, especially those of us with, with little children like you, it's really tough. And so how do we create space for our wellness is what I'm really interested in because it impacts everyone, mm. you know, in the world. So I, I think I think it can change it can change everything when you're working with others and yourself, your own process, when you start to create awareness around more than likely, most of us have things that have happened to us that have shaped the way we interact with ourselves in the world. And mm. once there's so many great tools out there, free tools, you know, and so many practices, you mentioned rugby. So trauma, you know, is stored in the body, right? So rugby, how awesome is that to like, I happen to know a little bit about rugby, right? My daughter <laughs> plays rugby too. And, you know, and the, some plays football, right? He played, he did, he did. He graduated. He just graduated yeah. in the spring, but yeah. 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 So he so played awesome. in college. Yeah. So, um, soccer is what we call it for anyone oh, listening. I'm, so they don't yeah. think he's playing football because I would never no, allow sorry. that. No, I'm, I'm joking. No. <laughs> Everybody knows what I meant. <laughs> yeah. Everyone there, right? I know. So in case Griffin's listening, I apologize, Griffin. So. <laughs> It was invented in the UK, though, so it was football originally. You know, being that physical while also having a supportive team and learning, you know, through, uh, you know, I can go on and on about the benefits of sports and coaching in sports um, because it can change lives, right? Like it changes your life. So the physicality of just running 
and moving in the way you are and having to navigate space and time in that way also can help things leave the body. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's really interesting to me as well. Um, I would say you are, so I have, uh, I have to be careful how I say this because you said about triggering people. I, I am probably the ultimate for triggering people because I, I'm still saying the wrong thing all the time. But, uh, so apologies in advance is my caveat. Apologies in advance if anyone gets triggered by this, but it's, it's interesting to me how I think when I was growing up, yoga, meditation, a lot of that world were kind of hippie, fluffy yeah I'd probably laugh it out and and mindfulness and and sort of you know body healing in the words healing spiritual all of that stuff i mean i'm an atheist i, I like the whole like world there just seems very very odd however as i grow older as i said i learn more and more and i see more and more ways in which people have been dramatically impacted and uh, through coaching i've seen that that introspection work just how powerful it can be when you just manage to find the right question to ask someone that makes their brain go huh yeah and then something magical happens it change something changes and they they connect with themselves in a way you know just because you've managed to find the right question to ask or find the way to to get in there and so and i'd say when i met you you gave us a talk and you did something fun in the room you get everyone to do some a fun exercise and i thought you know this is such an interesting this is part of the reason i wanted to meet you again because it's such an interesting woman who can come in with this very professional sort of you know almost almost i would say sort of corporate like look, yeah. you know professional like <laughs> but she's this amazing artist she's a super yoga dudette you know she's got <laughs> she's got all the kind of hallmarks of this spiritual healer type of thing and yet she's really walking the walk and talking the talk and uh, walking the talk whatever um and I, I i love that but i wanted to ask you directly like what is your reaction to people who have that kind of like um perhaps not negative but maybe dismissive response to spiritual stuff and healing and and body connection and all of those words you know what is your yeah. what is your thoughts on that well i would say one is honor your where you are honor where you are when you're looking outside into anything honor where you are and also honor your intuition and discernment because you know there's a lot of wacko stuff all over the world in every everything right and and certainly in the yoga meditation spiritual world there's some stuff that's harmful nick so i think going in with discernment and just noticing what it is you're brushing up against in terms of your own judgment and discernment and i think that we try things or don't when it's the right thing to do or not and that was purposefully said in the way i said it right so it's Again, going back to trusting yourself, like, I think for me, some people, you know, I don't look like a typical yogi, but I can look like a typical, right? I have the depth, my depth and breadth of my being is pretty expressive and pretty varied depending on where I am any day. And I'm okay with that. But that makes it hard for people to categorize me. And people want to categorize me a lot. Like, well, what are you actually? And I'm like, I'm all these things. And I'm going to keep, I have you know, many interests and they intersect, I think, in really beautiful ways that work for me and work with a lot of the people that I work with. I'm not going to be for everybody and everybody's not for everybody, right? So I think, I think that 
it's really, you know, if people, there are people I've met and in my family that have been like, you know, you meditate for two and a half hours a day. Like that's crazy, you know, and my own personal beliefs around spirituality or this, this God person, right. Whatever you talk, talking about atheism, like everything's, everything's here. Like I change constantly how I think about things and depending on where I am and, and I, you know, engaging that, I also check myself on my own judgments, but I'm like, God, that person is so hippy dippy and they're way out on the deep end. Um, and they may or may not have something to offer me, but they may have something to offer someone else. But I think everyone should have incredible discernment and judgment because people go back to trauma. People who have experienced trauma that's more on the high level, you know, there's, there can be more of, of, of a, an inclination, more, I don't want to say inclination, more of, uh, you can you can be more susceptible to following people who may be full of shit. <laughs> so I'm just gonna say it like that, or cults or conspiracy yeah. theories. If you don't feel a sense of belonging to your, you know, and you don't feel a sense of you have a longing to belong to something, you'll belong to anything. So I think Nick, there's probably a really good reason why you have like awareness around is this for me or isn't it? You know, and it's just. <laughs> Keeping, there's a, again, the breath of meditation, the breath of yoga, the breath of artistic practices. Why I'm so interested in expressive arts is because it is so non-judgmental. It's really about making. And in the yeah. making, the awareness creates. And so again, it's a space of no judgment. It doesn't mean I don't act. It doesn't mean I'm not uh, a, a person who acts on things. I'm not totally neutral all the time meditating. Um, I'm very involved politically and, and in social justice causes, and I do act. Um, but I think honor your discernment. Yeah, <laughs> but also ground yourself in what what you what you what you strongly believe in, and be prepared to challenge that. I think is also important, right? I yeah. mean, it's what I'm taking from what you've said. I hope I get that right. You know, like mm -hmm. be prepared to challenge it, but also embrace embrace what your what your core says you know embrace yeah. what your where your intuition takes you um and and that I, I totally i totally agree with that and just to be clear i don't think like that anymore about and, and yeah. certainly, you know i mean there's some there's some there's some people i see and i'm like okay that's a little extreme for me you know the tarot card readers and things i mean but i you know i think if i saw i i'm just very practical on that sense and i and i feel like there's so many ways in which like you've just said there's people um i see it as vulnerable if people have like are in a you know in a negative headspace or they've had a trauma like it's, it's you know they've had something significant that they've gone through they're vulnerable and that's okay. what and and, if, and vulnerable people by definition almost can be taken advantage of you know they 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 are people who uh, can be susceptible to charlatans or whatever and and i think i mean <laughs> We could get political right now, and I, I know that I, I do know that you're probably quite happy right now about certain, <laughs> certain changes that have happened in the last week with the presidency. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. But, but but I think there's a lot of people there who've been on both sides. I would say, if I'm going to be yeah. really fair, who've been manipulated by um, not just media, but by the by the way in which things have been portrayed through the politicians directly and things. And I think that is. Um, it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad that, that, you know, some people have got very, very good at understanding how to manipulate and they're using that to their advantage big time. I mean, you know, we've seen it in the past with uh, like big, you know, certain 
uh, I don't want to get myself into hot water here, but like <laughs> cults and things, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I think you know, for to some extent that that's still happening. So I think understanding where you're at and, and grounding yourself in in your own experience and intuition, and and then being prepared to challenge that is so important. And well, and people who people you respect, you know, and whose opinion you you can you can at least listen to and and try and understand. Um, yeah, and I think people, you know, on the I didn't mention this, but I think you're bringing it up is that you know the other side of people being people who are uh, easily you know vulnerable to being taken advantage of also take advantage of others. There's the other spectrum. Yeah. yeah. So unaware of well, your trauma that you start manipulating others and take control, try to take control in that way. Right. You know, there's a lot of damage. And it doesn't mean I'm not negative. There's so many, I'm not negative about it. I'm just realistic. There's also the flip side. There's so many people who are, who are working through their trauma or damage, you know, and in different parts of the world, the whole countries have a foundation of total atrocity and damage. And there's a whole collective in, in, in certain countries, right? Almost every country. I mean, in the U.S., for sure, how we were, how we came into being as the United States is there's so much damage and so much healing that um, some people don't want to acknowledge and some people do. But it is part yeah. of the makeup of being, I think, living in the U.S. and of being a U.S. citizen. So in terms of stepping, I'm not going to stop the podcast on this, by the way. So we've got to, we've got to switch this up to be a positive. <laughs> so what is that, what, how, how does that change then? What do we, what needs to happen for people to uh, step forward from that? Like, I, I mean, on an individual basis, I think it goes to what you've said and, and the nonprofit that you've set up and, you know, and, 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 and bridging mind and body right yeah <laughs> uh, but 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 what 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 do you see is where do you see hope where do you see the positives and and how do you see people being able to do that to be able to step yeah. forward whether it's from countrywide trauma or individual trauma yeah it starts with awareness Let's go, i mean from the you know we can go back from the beginning of time till now and if you go beginning of time to now we're living in the most peaceful time it doesn't feel that way all, always, right? But but history shows the one thing that suicide rates are going up, which mm. is which is not which is which is a different kind of metric we can look at. But um, I think that if you look look at where we are now at, in the world, there is tremendous awareness and tremendous places of hope popping up, almost like little lights everywhere. And I think you mentioned the media. So one thing that I've tried to do is focus on the good news. Focus on where is the good news happening? Where's the good work happening? And that could be yeah. in your family. Like, I know when my kids were little, I would try to cook on Sunday to make food for the week because, you know, as a working mom, things are busy, right? And that was like a personal good feeling to be able to yeah. cook for my family on Sunday and have that food ready so they would eat nourishing food for the week. And then it also helped me, right? So that what are these things that I see, I don't feel negative. I, especially now living in the U.S., I feel more positive <laughs> for reasons <laughs> we, won't, we won't talk about, uh, political reasons. But um, I think that younger people, older people, people of all ages are feeling um 
are finding each other. The other thing I'm seeing uh, in these kind of alternative channels, I'm seeing people yeah. come together to do really great things. And I think, uh, you know, this kind of liminal space that we're in of with COVID-19 has given a lot of us pause. Again, people who are more fortunate pause to um, people who are more privileged pause to say, what do I want to do and how do I want to do it? And do I, if I have the financial means, can I reshift to help make the world a better place? But it, I think it starts with you make, helping yourself, family, yeah. extending to local politics, getting involved locally. I've seen, you know, you can get involved in your city government, your town government, if you're drawn to that, or if you're a business, seeing what, you know, where your business can, can make a difference. I know when I had my yoga studio in Cambridge, in Harvard Square, we did a benefit for Rosie's Place, which is uh, a, a shelter for women. They they can women live there as residents, mm-hmm. and and they also can come and get food, get groceries, and just eat there. Um, so we did a benefit for Rosie's Place, and I think you see just more. And I'm not I'm not saying wow, we did something great. I'm just using an example. Like there's little things you can do that make such a huge difference, and I see people doing it. I actually feel really hopeful. It doesn't mean I, I have not, it doesn't mean I'm not on a roller coaster sometimes, but finding the good news and the good people, people doing the good work, you know? Yeah. Helps. I, I love that. And I, just to backtrack to the point you made, um, for anyone who's not a parent out there, I think it won't necessarily resonate, but it totally resonated with me. The power of cooking for your child and seeing yeah. your child eat the food you, you've cooked. It's an insanely uh, strong emotion that it elicits. It's, it's, it's crazy, really. You know, I, I always send my wife when they're chomping away at whatever you've cooked, you know, and you've, you, it's, you've managed to get them eating something healthy for once. <laughs> it's such a great feeling and it's, and it's that providing. And I think part of what I see as very important is, is having a sense of purpose is finding a sense of purpose. And a lot of people do that through their job. A lot of people do that yeah. through their, their, their family or their network or, or, or their, or their, uh, their hobbies. But finding what it is that makes you tick is so key. And, yeah. and you're only going to be able to do that by exploring and pushing your boundaries and, and challenging yourself. You know, you're never going to do that by sitting and watching the same Netflix documentary or same thing over and over again. You know, you've, you've got to push those boundaries and step outside your comfort zone and, and challenge yourself. And I, I, uh, I guess that's p- part of the reason I'm so passionate about this topic of wind building and things, because ultimately, you know, I do believe people can step forward and, and, and step up and, and achieve amazing things. I've seen it. Um, and I, yeah, I, I love the the point you're making about taking action but and and it doesn't need to be a big action but it can be really small it can be as small as understanding okay there's there's these three people in my life who really need me and they need me in this Mm -hmm. way and so i'm gonna i'm gonna commit to providing that you know that can be that can be all it is and that can be enough to to step forward and make the world a better place or of course you can go really grand and set yourself super high targets. But I think either way, it's, 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 it's great to have that attitude of stepping forward because if enough people have it, then it ends up yeah. making a big difference. Um, and you so have to have the agency to do that, right? Sorry. Like, yeah. Right. That, right. 
Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, yeah. that's okay. I, and I think that's a, that you've, you've said earlier, we're very fortunate to have had people in our lives who've challenged us and been able to give us that, that guidance or, 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 cha- or, or, or sort of check us at certain points or, and, or had the facilities to check ourselves as well and had the, the, you know, the understanding of how to do that. And that's, of course, where I, I step into coaching mode because I always think, well, yeah you know, coaching can really help people and, and people don't necessarily understand it until they've gone and sat, sat with a coach and realized, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'm all for coaching as well, but but at least using some somebody you trust as a sounding board to just yeah. give yourself give yourself a bit of guidance. That's the key. You know, it's yeah. got to be your own decision, your own challenge. Uh, and you've got to find your own path. Well and I think with coaching, like I think I same thing. I'm passionate. I receive supervision, receive coaching, and I'm a, co- a coach, right? A life and wellness coach. And I think, like again, when the person's ready, it can make a huge difference yeah. in in life. And you know, I think my life is forever changed by having people, like you said, you know, have have enough courage to have those conversations. But I'll, I'm going to share something really personal that really made a difference in my professional career. I had a a person in my life where I was, uh, when I was at a school, uh, and who, who sat down with me in a, a, a meeting, had asked to see me, and I had no idea what we were going to talk about. The person I know, and she, she looked at me and she said, she said, this was years ago, she said, um, you have to change the way you are interacting with people in this me- in this meeting and I won't say what meeting it is but it was a meeting with a lot of people and she said I want you to try to speak less and write down your thoughts and listen more and I want you to see what happens in the next two weeks you know when you do that I instantly started sobbing and not sobbing because she hit a nerve you know she called me out on something but she did it in such a nice way <laughs> It's such a role model for me of how do you have hard conversations with people? And so it changed my life forever at that moment because she had enough, the way she spoke with me was so much love and grace. She was like, you're awesome. You can be more awesome if you just stop talking so much. You know, (laughs) and I was like, I suck, you know, like my inner, my inner ego. Right. And and I was like, this is so brilliant. Brilliant no, I woman. think it's yeah. You've got it being caught at the right moment to have that to be receptive to that feedback and ready for <laughs> it is and good for you. I mean, I, Cynthia, I'm going to wrap this up, but I I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for spending the time with me. It's it's awesome. You're over there in America. You've got the rest of the day to go. I'm here in Oslo and it's nighttime now, so I'm not going to tell you what happens today. But it's you know it's a good day. So stay positive. <laughs> uh, Thank you so much. And um, I wish you all the best and let's stay in touch and we can check in again, hopefully soon. But uh, yeah, be, lots of love to you and your family. Okay. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for having Thanks. me. Thanks for Thanks. doing this work also. <laughs> Thanks so much, Cynthia. I'm going to stop there.